discerning the Lord's body. Someone say discerning the Lord's body. In the course of our reading of scriptures, you'll find out why I chose that particular title. But when we say discern, it simply means to identify, to recognize, to decipher, to be able to what word? I want you to give me the synonyms. I've used uh, two. I said what? Identify, recognize. Which other word? And I said decipher. Which other word can you to discern? In fact, the Greek word translated discern in scripture is, is I mean the English meaning is to discriminate. In other words, to tell the difference. To be able to tell that this is that and that is that. I believe that God wants us to be able to tell the difference between his body and any other gathering. Because it's not all gathering that necessarily are or is the body of Christ. But we identify from scripture that there's a difference between our gathering like this because we have gathered not in anybody's name but in the name of Jesus Christ. And remember he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there he is in our midst. Or there I am in their midst. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. Hallelujah. So once we are here, not in anybody's name, but in the name of Jesus, the Lord is here. And that is the church. We may not be the entire body of Christ, but we are a part of that body. And so we, are, we can call ourselves a part of the body. We are a local assembly. And there are different local assemblies that have also met on a Sunday like this, all over the world. Together, we are the body of Christ. So this morning, don't think that we have just gathered. No, if it was any other social gathering, then that's not church. That is not the body. But we are talking about discerning the Lord's body. Telling the difference between the Lord's body and every other gathering for that matter. Are you there? And what God wants us to do when we gather together like this. The awareness he wants us to have. The consciousness he wants us to build. The, the revelation he wants us to catch about his body. And I'm glad that this morning we are having our communion service as well. Is it not true? This is the first Sunday. You will identify. I remember the last time we spoke during our communion service. I said that communion, to commune. In other words, to, to drink from the same cup. To eat from the same you know, source. If somebody is at level 99 and another person is at level 2, by virtue of our communing together or coming together, there is, there is a blend. It's like, at the end of the day, nobody lacks and nobody is left behind. The one who is at level 2 will find himself also at level 99 just because we blended together. Hallelujah. That is what God wants to do with his body. Such that there will be no lack or division or disadvantage person amongst us it's a mystery hallelujah so in case you feel left out by virtue of our communion today you will be brought from low estate to a high estate this morning in the name of jesus christ do you believe that that is one of the revelations about the communion so get ready after i've taught this message i believe we'll go into a time of prayer we will dine at the lord's table you are going to be lifted to another level in the name of Jesus. I only heard about two people saying amen. I said, you're going to be lifted to another level. Yeah. I like that. Glory be to God. Please, are you ready? Descending the Lord's body. Let's get into scripture. First Corinthians chapter 10. 
First Corinthians 10 verses 16 and 17. Paul writing to the Corinthian church. In verse 16, he said, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Verse 17. For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Somebody say amen. What is Paul revealing to us here? Or by the spirit, we getting from these two verses of scripture. He said the cup of blessing which we bless. Meaning that when we come together, maybe you have drink in a cup or in a jug or in a bottle or in a container. But the moment we come together like this and we say we bless this cup, Bible calls it no longer an ordinary cup, but the communion of the blood of Christ. In other words, we are drinking into our system the blood of Christ. It's a mystery. The moment we say we bless this cup, automatically it turns from an ordinary cup to the cup, the, the cup of blessing. Someone say the cup of blessing. Wow. How I wish every day we will drink of the cup of blessing. Because there are also cups of curses. How will it feel like when you are drinking a cup and they say what you are drinking into your system is a curse? How will it feel like? And how will it also feel like when you know that what I'm drinking is not an ordinary cup but is a cup of blessing? Meaning that when that blessing locates you, what does it mean to be blessed? To be blessed means to be empowered to succeed. So once you drink of the cup of blessing, automatically there is an impartation of an energy on the inside that empowers you, that reprograms you to succeed. In case you were failing, you find yourself on the path of success. And I'm prophesying to somebody this morning, by the time you drink of the cup of blessing, any failure in your life, any shame in your life, any reproach in your life, any disadvantage in your life will be wiped out of your life forever. In the name of Jesus Christ. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the sharing together? The word communion is koinonia. It means to share together. In other words, what belongs to Christ now becomes yours. We share together. We fellowship. We participate. It becomes an association. A oneness. A union. A communion. An intercourse. That's communion. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? God wants you to know that it is not an ordinary cup. Once we bless it. Remember, when God created Adam, he gave him the mandate. There is something about man that we have not utilized yet because of the fall. When God gave Adam the mandate to name creation, all of creation, and especially the animals that were created, whatever Adam called creation, that is how they have been till today. When Adam saw lion, he said, this is lion, and nobody has called lion tiger till today. So once you command and say, this is the cup of blessing, so it is, hallelujah. It is endorsed by heaven. And this morning, we're going to drink from the cup of blessing. Hallelujah. He said, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Then he said, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, like we are, we are many, though many, are one bread 
and one body. Tell your neighbor, we are one bread. We are one body. Meaning that that bread that you hold actually doesn't represent just the body of Christ. It represents all of us because we are members of the same body. It's a mystery. When you hold the bread, don't think that you are just eating bread. It is, it is a communion or a sharing together. We are saying that it is like a covenant. Activating the covenant that is in the broken body. You are saying that the man was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. So as I eat of his flesh, together we will not be bruised. We will not be wounded. Are you there? He, he did all those things for us. So as we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, whatever is, the, is of the benefit of the communion, it becomes ours. Whatever is of the benefit of his broken body and shed blood, it becomes ours. Oh, how lovely it is when the church will discover the mystery about the communion and partake of it daily. I pray we'll come to that place in the name of Jesus Christ. All right. Let me emphasize verse 17 again of 1 Corinthians 10. For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Someone say, we all partake. The word partake there is the same word communion. We all participate. We share together of that one bread. We all not some of us, we all. And this morning, if you are here and you feel that you do not qualify, I believe by the time we, we share in the word of God, you will identify that the only qualification is for you to be a member of that same body. In other words, to be born again. To receive the gospel. To embrace the gospel. To believe that what Jesus Christ did, he did for you. He did for me. So you will receive remission of sins by accepting him as your savior and confessing him as your Lord. That's all. And that automatically makes you a part of that body so you can partake of that one bread. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. More emphasis on discerning the Lord's body. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20 through 34. I will read quickly. 1 Corinthians 11, 20 through 34. From verse 20, Paul said, Therefore, when you come together in one place, oh, I like this one. Someone said, When you come together, can I hear you? When you come together in one place, listen, this is different from when you are at home. What he's giving us is the picture of what we call the church. The church is all about people who come together in the name of Jesus Christ in one place. Of course, that is not to say that. I know that we have what we call ye church in this our modern generation where some people may not be here physically present but they are connected through internet through network and uh, satellite and then they are connected hallelujah it's a coming together also do you believe that by virtue of internet like those who are on facebook right now live our service is live on facebook they can also take bread and take wine when we are about to eat of the flesh and drink of the blood you also partake of the same someone said when we come together in one place verse 20 again of first corinthians 11 therefore when we when you come together in one place it is not to eat the lord's supper this statement is very funny but you understand why paul said it is not. He meant to say that I doubt whether it is actually to eat the Lord's Supper because the way the Corinthian church was behaving, he doubted whether it was for the Lord's Supper because they did something which we'll discover very soon that ah, 
Are you sure that this is the Lord's Supper? Because the Lord's Supper, that's not how it's supposed to be like. That means you are not discerning the Lord's body. You are behaving as if you are in your home. Watch it. Verse 21. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. <laughs> and one is hungry and another is drunk. That was the nature of the Corinthian church. When they come together in one place, some will bring bread, some will bring wine. The rich had so much, the poor didn't have anything. But because it was communion, meaning to share together, whether you brought it or another person didn't bring anything, everything was supposed to share together. But some will eat and eat and eat and get drunk whilst others were hungry. Paul said, mm -mm -mm -mm. when you come together in one place, I doubt this one is not for the communion. It's not for the Lord's Supper. Something else. You are doing something else. Hallelujah. Are you there? For in 18, verse 21 again, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Did you hear the question? If it's a question of just eating and getting drunk, then do it in your house. But when you come together in one place, you've got to discern the Lord's body. Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? So Paul was addressing something here. In those days, they used to bring you know, all the things that they would feast together with, you know, by certain people who had the wherewithal. Others didn't have anything. Yet, because they were together in one place, everything was supposed to be shared in common. Then they despised those who didn't have anything. As if to say, you, you didn't bring anything. Let me drink my drink and then eat whatever I brought. One is hungry and another is drunk. And Paul said, no, this is not the Lord's Supper. You are doing something else. Do you despise the Lord? Do you despise the body of Christ? He said in verse 20, 22 again, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. I pray you will receive the Lord's praise today because you will discern the Lord's body. Verse 23, Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me 25 in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 20 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The King James says, You, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Verse 27 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. I want you to take note of this verse 27 in an unworthy manner. What was Paul referring to as an unworthy manner? Let's go on. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of, of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. This is where I took my title from. Verse 30. For this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. In other words, they have died. 
Hey, that's serious, is that right? That's so serious. Verse 31, for if we will judge ourselves, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. I like that. They said the three. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, did you take note of that? When you come together to eat, this is not eating at home. We have come together to eat. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. That's what Paul was talking to when he says in an unworthy manner, wait for one another. Verse 34, but if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Lest you come together for judgment and the rest I will set in order when I come. Somebody say amen. amen. When you come together to eat, so we have come together to eat. In those days, they come together to eat. And once they come together in the name of Jesus, it is no longer an ordinary gathering. It is church. It is the Lord's body. God recognizes that assembly. God identifies that this is not a physical eating is a spiritual activity where they partake of the Lord's body and drink of his blood. And yet, those days, you find out that some will come early whilst those who didn't have anything probably may come late. And then those who come early because they have will finish eating, the others will come hungry and then it's like, oh, see him, he doesn't have anything. Paul said, no, 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 no. This is not the Lord's Supper. You are despising the church of God. And you are, you are shaming those who don't have anything. You are despising them. And I don't praise you in this. He said, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Some say, wait. In other words, what I do, or I do not do to my fellow brother who is in the same gathering, I do it to myself. That's what Paul was saying here. That's what he meant by you do not descend the Lord's body. You do not realize that what you are doing, you are actually doing it to yourself. You'll find out from the next set of scriptures we'll read very soon. You've got to identify that our gathering this morning is not just because we decided to come from our home and come together. It is a spiritual atmosphere. The Lord is here. Are you there? I said the Lord is where? He's here. And here, everything we are doing here is being recorded. They are angels of record marking everybody's name. Those who are taking notes, those who are listening, those whose minds are far off, he is taking notes. And every one of the records will be played back on the day of judgment. They will play back 3rd June 2018 at, at about 2 minutes to 11 a.m. This was your service. And when you came together, this is what you were doing in your mind and your heart. It's not an ordinary meeting. This is God's church. The church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. He wants us to discern, identify, recognize, realize that whatever we do here, it is partaking of the same grace. There is something about the corporate anointing. Somebody say corporate anointing. The Bible says two are better than one. Because what? They have a good reward for their labor. For when one falls, the other will lift him up. But woe unto you when you are alone. The Bible says when two lie together, they have warmth, they have heat. And the threefold cord cannot be quickly broken. What does he mean by that? When the Lord is involved in a gathering of even two people, it is called a threefold cord. And it cannot be quickly broken. That is why he said, where two or three are gathered together, where in my name, there I am in their midst. So church is all about two people gathering together in the name of Jesus. Not just gathering together. There can be two people gathering together. It may be for gossip. Are you there? 
It may be for it may be for evil agenda. Maybe they gather together that look this evening, let's storm this house and let's go and loot his house and pretend that nothing has happened. That is gathering together but not in the name of Jesus. So you cannot call that church. But when we gather together, even if it's two people gathering together in the name of Jesus, God recognizes that as church. So you can have church in your home. Just by two people, a couple, a husband and wife, can just gather together in the name of Jesus. Automatically, it becomes church. And when you eat of, the, of that bread, you bless it and you call it the body of Jesus, so it is. When you drink of that cup and you call it the blood of Jesus, so it is. And you can drink blessing because it is called the cup of blessing instead of the cup of judgment. Paul said that because they did not discern the Lord's body, some brought judgment upon themselves. I keep on saying some. Oh my God. It's not some. He said many many are weak many are sick among you and many sleep they have died why because they did not descend the lost body can you imagine just coming together in the name of jesus and because you did not identify the revelation the spirituality of the activity you could bring judgment upon yourself this morning we are not bringing judgment upon ourselves i said we are not bringing judgment upon ourselves rather we are partaking of the cup of blessing the cup of blessing Glory be to God. Oh yes. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me read from verse 12 through 26. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. Paul is still describing the body here. For as the body is one, I hope your human body is one. How many of us have two bodies. You have two bodies? I'm asking a question. You have two bodies? Your physical body. How many of us sitting here? You have two bodies. Ms. Allah, you have two bodies. It's one. Thank you. For as the body is one and has many members. The word translated members here has to do with what in our modern world we call parts, body parts, like the lungs the heart, the kidney, the liver, the brain, the hand, the legs, the pancreas, the urinary bladder. Are you there? For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. What does it mean by Christ? He's talking about the body of Christ. I want you to get a picture today how the body of Christ is built. Maybe you have not seen that for the first time, but let me show you in scripture. Verse 13 says, For by one spirit, I like this, we were all baptized into one body. Can I stop you and just explain something? When somebody gives his heart to Christ, in the first place, when the gospel is preached in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost, it is the Holy Spirit who convicts that individual of sin, of judgment, and of righteousness. He works in you the willingness to say, yes, Lord, I believe the gospel. I accept you as my Savior. When the Holy Spirit does that and you embrace the gospel and you confess the Lordship of Jesus, the same Holy Spirit washes you on the inside with the blood of Jesus. He washes the sin nature and then he imparts the nature of God called the righteousness of God and he gives you eternal life in your spirit. And above all, when you receive him, then he comes to reside on the inside of you. 
Are you there? Then the same Holy Spirit now takes you and immerses you into what the Bible calls Christ. Listen. Someone say Christ. So Christ is not just a name. It's also a place. Christ is our residence. The Bible said, therefore, if any man be where? In Christ. So the Holy Spirit takes you and baptizes you. The word baptize is to immerse. He submerges you. He puts you into Christ. So if you are here, Bible says our lives are hidden with Christ in God. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. Listen, you are not ordinary. Tell yourself, I'm not ordinary. If you are in Christ, you are not. Don't think that when you are walking, you are walking alone. You are walking in the company of innumerable company of angels. The Bible says so. You are not ordinary. You are in Christ. And therefore, Christ sends angels. The Bible says, are they not all ministering spirits? Talking about angels. Who are sent to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. So there are angels that walk with those who are heirs of salvation. I hope you know that song. We are heirs of the Father. And we are joint heirs with Christ. We are children of the kingdom. We are family and we are one. Verse 13 says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Then he explains, Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. Oh, I like it. It's only in Christ you find a servant and a boss sitting together in the same place. Only in Christ. Whether slaves or free, you could be the houseboy. And your, your, your master could be the big man, maybe the president of a nation. But in Christ, we sit together. There isn't anything like, this is the seat of the president and this is the seat of the slave in the, in, in, you know, in the house. No. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Oh, I like this. One day I'll teach on that, drinking into one spirit. Verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Can you answer my question? Verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? I'm, I'm expecting an answer. It is of the body. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where will be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where will be the smelling? Verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would, be the body? where would the body be? 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Oh, I like this. Verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Do you know there are members of our body that look like it's weaker? We don't even pay particular attention to it. Like, let's say, your fingernails. Your fingernails, according to science, is made up of hard protein. Nobody eats hard protein. The protein we take into our body as, you know, soft protein, edible protein. But hard protein, who cares? Like the horn of an animal is hard protein. Your nails, hard protein. So who cares? And yet though it seems weaker, it's necessary. If there is an itch in any part of your body and you want to scratch your body, are you going to say, my lung, you are important. Scratch my body. Will your lung scratch your body? Will your heart scratch your body? Will your kidneys scratch your body? 
Which part of your body do you use to scratch your body? Your fingernails. So it tells you that whether the person looks insignificant or not, so long as he's a part of the body, he is relevant. Say, I'm relevant in the body of Christ. Oh, glory. Alright. Verse 22 again. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Do you know our unpresentable parts? Do you know our unpresentable parts? There are some things you cannot show in public. They are unpresentable. Yet we bestow greater modesty. I won't use my mouth to mention the unpresentable parts. At least not from this pulpit. Hallelujah. Verse 24. But our presentable parts have no need. The parts that are presentable. Which are some of the parts which are presentable? Like your face. They have no need to... I know that we make up oftentimes, fine, and then your hair, and then your hand, they are presentable parts. But there are some parts that are unpresentable. We bestow greater, we cover it. That is why I believe in covering the coverables. In other words, be a katesia, you know a katesia, katanafesie, until you say I do. I'm talking to our sisters. Until you say you do, the things that must be covered, cover them. It's not everything we must expose to the public. They are unpresentable parts. And you want to show it to the... When, when we see you, all we see is this all that you have. So this all that you have? Ah! Are you that cheap? Why don't you cover the coverables until you present it to the one to whom it belongs? Until you say, I do. I don't know who I'm talking to now. There are, there's something that I saw in the week and I was sad. I was sad because I was like, what is this? I was ashamed in my head because this is not somebody I know to be like this. But what is this? What are you showing? This is all that you have. Why don't you cover yourself? And then you are presenting this to the whole world and everybody's seeing it. It's a shame. It's a shame. Tell your neighbor, cover the coverables. The things that must be covered, cover them. Don't say it is fashion. Don't say that is the modern world. No, it is even your conscience tells you that this thing that you're doing is a shame. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, yo. All right. Okay, verse 24. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. Verse 25. That there should be no schism. That's the word, schism. That's division in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. I want you to take note of that. He says, God does all these things that there should be no division in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. I like verse 26, my emphasis. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Somebody say amen. Oh, that the church would descend the body. If one member suffers, have you seen how your body works? Your body. Let's start with your physical body because that is what he's using to exemplify the body of Christ. Have you seen that sometimes it could be just a little pimple, maybe at a very sensitive part of your body. Just a little pimple and then you attempted to just go and press that pimple before you realize 
it just gave you some uncomfortable sensation around that part of your body. Before you realize the thing has now entered your nostrils, you, are, you have caught cold. Before you realize that cold now has now entered your throat, you have started getting some... <coughs> Before you realize now your ears, you are feeling the pain in your ears. They call it E and T. Is that not so? Ear, nose and throat. They are connected. By the time you realize from ear, nose and throat, the whole body is now aching, some migraine. Hey, what is happening to me? Then before you realize the thing has just caught your spine. Ah! You're feeling some sensation, feverish sensation in your body. I don't know whether you've been there before. Before you realize, ah, the whole thing has now, you know, held your waist. You who were strong, you got up and it's like, you can't even straighten yourself up. Before you realize, you are now shivering. The whole body is vibrating with fever. Before you realize, if care is not taken, when you go to the hospital, they say, hey, your temperature is so high, we've got to admit you and regulate your temperature. If one member suffers, the Bible says, the whole body suffers with it. I want to ask a question. Is that what happens in the body? As, as we are? Because we have gathered in the name of Jesus. He says that there, there will be no division so that the members will have care for one another. That is the body. No division but care for one another. The one that lacks, that is the one, the, the body, the part of the body that lacks, you know, that is not presentable. You cover it. Likewise, the part in the body, the member in the body that lacks something, we look out for that person and cover the coverables. Because that person's shame, you may think it's his shame, it's actually your shame because together we are part of the same body. Are you designing the lost body? If you are the type who always want to look down upon another in the same body, Actually, you are looking down upon yourself because you were part of that same body. And the Bible says, because many did not discern this, they brought judgment upon themselves. And therefore, many are weak, many are sick, and many died. That shall not be the story of international prayer resort. In the name of Jesus Christ. When one member suffers, the whole body suffers with it. Then he said, and when one member is honored, the whole body what? Rejoices with it. Oh, how sometimes when somebody is honored and then we say, oh, I don't know Bible says when one member is honored, the whole body rallies around and says, we rejoice with you. Because in rejoicing with that person, it is your rejoicing. We are one body. So if I were you, by discernment and by revelation, we should be seeking the well-being and the honor of one another because his honor is my honor. His rising is my rising. We are a part of the same body. If you are the type that practices crabology, do you know crabology? Do you know crabology? Crabs. If you harvest crabs and you put them in a bucket, don't bother to cover it with any lid because once one climbs up and gets to the top and it's about to fall off outside of the container, one inside will just climb and pull him back inside. That is crabology. Somebody say hallelujah. If you are the type that practices crabology, you don't know that pulling down that brother is actually pulling down yourself. Bringing down your brother is actually bringing down yourself because what you do to that member, you are doing it to yourself. We are members of the same body. When one member suffers, the whole body suffers with it. 
And when we remember it's honored, the whole body rejoices with it. If you do not have this discernment, you can bring judgment upon yourself, especially when we gather together like this. It's a mystery. God has designed the body of Christ in such a way that when we come together, that is a mystery about corporate anointing. They wonder, ah, but how did these people just manage to come this far? It is not my might, it's not your might. It is God working together through us to bring our rising together. It's a communion where there is a lack here, but there's abundance here. Before you realize there is a blend. Before you realize we are one at the same level. Together we rise. I said together we rise. And together we fall. So if the brother is down, they say, huh, say a kind. You can you can win to No, 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 that for one. Why are you rejoicing? Because a brother has fallen. Don't you know his fall is your fall? That is what the Bible says. Even your enemy, when your enemy falls, the moment you start rejoicing because your enemy has fallen, you just revert the judgment. God actually is bringing judgment upon your enemy. Once he falls, he says, hey, Kayo, he's falling. God says, no, 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 I don't, I don't want you to rejoice in this. Just leave that one to me. You could have been the one to have also fallen. If not for grace, if not for mercy. So why are you rejoicing because your enemy has fallen? Hallelujah. It's not because we are right. It's because he made us right. He made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You could have been in the same place like that enemy. That person who has made himself an enemy. He could have also, I mean, you could have been in his position. So why do you rejoice? Because the brother has fallen. Why don't we seek the well-being of one another? No wonder the Bible says, Bear ye one another's burden so as to fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burden. Oh, that we will discern the Lord's body. Because as we sit in here, we are all a part of the same body. Never wish a fellow believer I mean evil never because that evil wish is actually a wish on yourself when you do not descend and you know that what you sow you reap so when you are wishing the person evil that's just a seed but when you are reaping because you are the same body you will reap the harvest so he said for this cause many are weak and many are sick and many have even died because they thought that they were punishing that brother in the body little did they know that it was like taking a dagger a knife and piercing yourself because you are, mem you are members of the same body. That we will seek the well-being of one another. Look, even if we are two in the name of Jesus and it's a church, that two can do exploits. That's why he said, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that you pray about, it shall be done. There's a power of the corporate anointing. And I pray that as a, as a church, as IPR, whether the person is young or old, male or female, educated or illiterate master or slave whoever you are we will not despise one another that we will respect the anointing upon every one of us because together we, we create greater force than if we were individuals there is no way an individual can become a church Jesus never said that where one person gathers in my name an individual can stand anywhere and pray to God Paul said I will that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubt so as an individual you can reach out to God because you are you have access to the father let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need as individuals you can do that but when two or three or more come together in the name of Jesus that is church and that's a different ball game altogether that places a certain responsibility on the members in that church to care for one another to seek the well-being of one another iron sharpens iron 
There are times where I'm telling you, the miracle you're looking for, you may never get it until you start praying for the other person in the same body. I'm telling you. That is a mystery a lot of us have never known yet. That is what I want us to do in the prayer and leadership meeting. It won't be about ourselves. It will be about those of us who have come together, start bearing the burdens of those who are not around. It is called intercession. Some say intercession. To stand in the gap. There is something about intercession the church of Jesus Christ is yet to discover. I know since we started yesterday, by the grace of God, 2nd June was exactly nine months since Saturday prayer breakfast started. Exactly nine months. 17th June will be exactly nine months since the church also began. So nine months down the line, much of our prayer, I can say about 98.9% of our prayer has been centered on ourselves. But I tell you, after nine months, God wants us to change the gear. Hallelujah. And begin to think about others. And begin to bear the burden of others. Because it shouldn't just, at least we have grown to understand that, okay, it's good to pray this way. The same prayer you've been praying for yourself for nine months, now extend the same prayer for somebody. For all you know, your miracle has delayed because you have refused to pray for that brother or that sister. Read Job 42 verse 10. The Bible says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. When? Someone say when? When? Not you see, when is a function of time. When he prayed for his friends, that was when the Lord turned his captivity. There's a time when your captivity will be turned. The Bible says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. When is a function of time? Do you know when your miracle can happen? Probably it could be the time you start praying for that brother. And remember, the friends of Job were not friends indeed, apart from the last born, I mean, the, 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 the youngest. The youngest spoke wisdom, but the others accused Job that are you sure it's not because of your self-righteousness? Are you sure it's not because all the accusations they poured on Job? Job could have been more hurt because already the man was in wounds and pain. His children were gone, 10 children gone the same day. He had lost every business, every investment. And his wife even looked at him and said, are you still maintaining your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? So the man's case was a hopeless one. And as if that was not enough, Miserable comforters. Someone say miserable comforters. Do you know a miserable comforter? A comforter who makes your woes even worse. <laughs> These were people who came to comfort with him, but they were miserable comforters. Giving him more pain, adding insult to his injury, and making him feel unwanted and unqualified. But in the midst of it all, oh, I like it. God still told Job, God still told Job that, hey, you better pray for these ones. Don't pray against them. Bible says pray for your enemies. There's a difference between pray for your enemies and pray against your enemies. Some of us are in the habit of praying against our enemies. That is why our miracle hasn't happened yet. Meanwhile, he will set the table before you in the presence of your enemies. So if your enemies are dead, then there's no table also for you. Let them live to see what the Lord will do in your life. So that through what God will do, they can also be converted. Because that's our mission. To seek the salvation of others, including those who have made themselves enemies to us. Our actual enemy is the devil and his, and his demons. But if a human being makes himself an enemy, don't become an enemy also. Hallelujah. Even Judas, when he came to Jesus, do you know how Jesus called him? Judas had become an enemy. He had become a betrayer. The Bible says Satan entered him after Jesus gave him the... They, you know, took the bread and put it in the wine and gave it to him. Satan immediately entered him. 
And Judas went and betrayed the master. But when he came to the garden with the soldiers, Jesus called him friend. Oh, tell my friend of Jesus. Hallelujah. Pray for your enemies. So those of us who go to the field of prayer and then you are pouring fire. The Bible says that when your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For in doing so, you are heaping coals of fire on his head. And do not be overcome with evil. Romans chapter 12. But overcome evil with good. Some people have just misquoted that scripture. They take just one line. Meanwhile, look at what I just quoted. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For in doing that, you are heaping coals of fire on his head. Then the next line says, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. But you just took that line, heaping coals of fire on his head. And then you made it your prayer point. Father, I pour fire. I pour fire on his head. I pour fire. I pour fire. That day you are misquoting scripture and misapplying scripture. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless his word in your heart. May the Lord renew your strength. May the Lord give you discernment. Descend the Lord's body. Descend the Lord's body. I bless you in Jesus' name. So when the Bible talks about let a man examine himself. He was talking about the fact that are you the type who feel that you are more qualified than the other and you despise and he was not talking about you know i know in places where people are made to okay yesterday you told a lie so you are not qualified yesterday you did it some people even say that you're not a communicant so you cannot you understand i don't know who is a communicant a communicant is somebody who is born again say once i'm born again i'm a communicant in other words i partake of the same body Oh, glory be to God. So set your heart. We're going to pray. The only disqualification is if you are not born again. That's the only condition. 